Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shitty. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! Put a little baby flag! Get that garbage out of here! Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 49, where I'm joined in studio, the return of the Twin Dragon, Christian Graffin. How are you doing, buddy? Not too bad. 49 already, I eh? Know. We're, we're Close getting to up 50. there. We're getting there. Getting there, getting there. Um, so, just a two-man pod today. Basically, this is our like Christmas, like probably one of the highlights of the sporting season, <laughs> the 2018 NBA draft, which goes down tomorrow night, 7 p.m. in NYC, the heart, the mecca of basketball. So, we're basically going to go through 1 through 14, speculate who's going to go where. We're going to give Christian the number one spot. It's going to go back to me at two, Christian at three, me to four, etc. We'll do it that way. Uh, um, and we'll kind of talk about each selection and why we think certain guys will go at certain selections. So, I'll open up with you, Christian. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns are picking number one. Much hoopla surrounds the fact that they already have made a decision that they're going to draft DeAndre Aiden. Are you going to stick with that? So, hold on. Do you want to go this way? You want to go 1 to 15? Yeah. Or you want to go 15 to 1? I, like... I think we should do 1 to 14. Okay, 1 to 14. Okay, so... N- no, I'm not going off of what going most people are saying. I'm okay. not going against the grain. DeAndre Aiden is one of those players who... I mean, put it this way. If you look at just his physical comps alone... This is a guy who I who technically is just a stronger Joel Embiid. With the same quickness, with the same sort of, you know, he has the same kind of shot. He has the same everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, DeAndre Ayton's one of those potentially, he's a potentially game-changing player that can change the franchise for a long time, and Phoenix has needed that. Right, offensively, you know, you're talking about a borderline transcendent talent, a guy can shoot anywhere on the court, a very well-established low post game as well. Obviously, the biggest issue with him, you can see it in the tournament, the NCAA tournament this year, was his kind of malaise effort on the defensive side of the ball. But when it comes to an accomplished offensive player... There's not too many guys who have a more established skill set, a more upside than DeAndre Aiden. Yeah, and I, I just put here, like in my charts, like his negatives are his pick and roll defense. That that's one of the main, I, I would say, things that goes against him because, like you said, he doesn't really have the effort. I think, uh, especially from when you watch him uh, last year in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look at the rebounding. If he's as tenacious on defense as he could be on rebounding, both offensively and defensively, this guy could be an absolute game. He could be more like a Jared Jackson Jr. Right. sort of uh, defensively if he really wanted to be. Uh, I think the question is, is more so not just effort, but more so the coach and who's going to be able to drive him and push him. And I think if Phoenix next year does draft him, with a mix of Devin Booker, like they could actually be a team that's not absolutely terrible. Yo, you put Josh Jackson with him at the front exactly. court of four as well, right? 
Um, the only negative, I, I, the other negative I would say is he doesn't seem like he's one of the most intelligent players out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll say this about another one, going like just to going a little bit further, but like Luka Doncic, for instance, I, I think he's the smartest player mm-hmm. in this draft, which goes a long way. I think he's here based purely on his, you know, his physicality and his natural athleticism and his freakish body. Right. Um, but he does shoot as well. Like he's actually a decent shooter. Uh, he's 34% from three. Uh, even though he didn't take too many of them, that's still pretty decent for a guy who's seven feet and is pretty big. So for me, I think Phoenix is, is locked in and taking DeAndre Ayton. I don't think it's a bad pick at all, and I don't think they're going to regret it. No, absolutely. It's a foundational piece, you know, putting alongside, as we mentioned, Josh Jackson as well as, uh, <coughs> pardon me, Devin Booker. There's I no think, one better body-wise for the NBA than DeAndre Ayton. I, I just don't think they can pair him with Dragon Bender or Marquise Chris, which kind of clearly tells you their impression on these guys so far in their career, right? You're talking about two guys who were picked in the top five, respectively, a power forward position to facilitate the front court. Neither have really done anything in their career so far. So maybe starting from scratch, getting Drowney or Aiden, you know, Jackson and Booker as a new foundation for the team makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of an exciting future mm-hmm. for Phoenix, if you think about it. I mean, Josh Jackson has to pan out. He's kind of in a project in the first year, but he got progressively better as the season went on. Right. And Devin Booker can take that next step to being consistent. Consistent, mm-hmm. I think that's his main issue right now. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Ayton will handle the defense if he can just lock down, and Devin Booker can handle the offense. It helps out Josh Jackson quite a bit as well. You know, the biggest issue with him is obviously his shot. You know, getting a center that's a competent three-point shooter, yep. like I said, can shoot anywhere on the court. It's only going to help out Josh Jackson in the long run. So, Aiden, lock at number one. I agree. I fully agree. So, wait, you're in agree. You agree with that I, as well. I, I'm going with that. My, my number two. Um, we're obviously we're talking about the uh, Sacramento Kings. Listen, he, I don't think he's the better player between the two. We're going by who we think is going to be But I picked. think the Kings are going to select Marvin Bagley. I agree. It just makes more sense. I don't think Luka Doncic and Darren Fox can coexist in the backcourt together, especially, you know, Doncic not really establishing his jumper quite yet in his career. Um, Doncic's more of a point forward. He's a ball in his hands. Same thing with Fox, who can't shoot anywhere on the court outside 10 feet. Um you know, if if they like, they were talking about like if they're able to flip Fox to the Magic for the sixth pick, for example, I would 100% take Luka Doncic. But Marvin Bagley is my guy at number two. Marvin, like I'm not the biggest Marvin Bagley guy, but a guy, the guy at 18 dominated college basketball, was a consensus number one recruit coming out of college this year. You know, has always been the man his entire career. Has always showed he's an incredibly athletic, skilled player. Obviously, there's massive holes in his game, specifically defensive, the defensive side the ball as and well shooting, as the size course, being yep. a tweener um he, he reminds me of like the steve francis stefan marbury the seven foot version of them a guy's gonna fill the stat book 20 and 10 you know but that's not gonna get your teams more wins i just like the idea of marvin bagley and Duran fox together i think that's the best bet for sacramento and again it's a sacramento kings i i'm, I'm assuming they're not gonna take the best guy on the board so marvin bagley's my uh, my number two <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, you said you said it right there. Vladdy Divac is one of the worst <laughs> GMs, I think, and they have one of the terrible managements in the league. They always seem the to do Vac. the wrong thing, but <laughs> I, I do. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've been a big Bagley fan for a long time, mm-hmm. as you know, and as I've, I've said for I think since he's even come out of high school. But he's one of those players that his potential is so high, and 
again, he's kind of one of those exciting players. He's a players that a player that will bring fans to the seats. I think in Sacramento, mm-hmm. kind of bring mm-hmm. the crowd back to to enjoying watching the team again. Uh, they could be kind of like the Clippers back in the day when they weren't that great, but they still were exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He, he's kind of like a better Darius Miles right now. Um, again, yeah, like I see a lot of like. You know, big like dunker. Michael Beasley, kind of that sort of skill set. I, I think he has a pretty big upside. You know, like he could be an Amari Stoudemire, Chris Bosh type player. But the issue with him, you know, in comparison to his teammate, Wendell Carter at Duke, is he doesn't have a massive wingspan. So it comes to just be able to guard the perimeter. I don't really see him being able to establish a, a really strong presence on the defensive side of the ball. His bread and butter is going to have to be his offense. And his whole success, in my opinion, is predicated on him evolving as a shooter. See, for me, it's defense. I think he can live in the NBA with his current shot. Like, again, the shot can slowly get better over a long time, Mm -hmm. like over like five, six years. But I think he's got to really, really shape up his defense and show that he can actually be a reliable player on defense so that he can be out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. He has all the physical tools for it. Like, he's a big, he's a long kind of kind of like a Brandon Ingram type of yeah, body so let's type. Say they play Golden but he, he fills out though a little bit. Okay, let's say Golden State's like Hampton Death 5 lineup. Who's he guarding? Because I don't think he's quick enough to be able to deal with KD, nor do I think he's strong enough to be able to handle Draymond Green. That's my issue with him. Well, like he's skilled, but like he doesn't really necessarily fit a position. I think the first issue I have with that is that you're assuming the Kings are going to be against <laughs> Golden State in any sort of meaningful game of basketball next year. That's not happening. If anything, like I said, they're bu- they're kind of like Phoenix. Right. They're right. building for like three to five years from now right like that that's kind of their their blueprint Mm -hmm. and then they'll get free agents as they go along for like i said before i think they're just trying to make their team exciting and i think bagley is the perfect kind of pick for that because european players like for me it's between him and Doncic. Mm -hmm. that's the only two options that they have at this pick i don't think porter or bomba or jared jackson jr is the right pick for them right just simply because of the well a the roster but i I do think bagley is better than Doncic because it's less less risk i in my opinion and i know that you kind of disagree, but just the, the stigma of the European type of player puts that this management in, in an easier position to take. No, you're right. Like I 100 percent agree with you. They have they have risk. to get this pick right for sure. The Pizer fan base. They've been a tortured fan base for quite a while now, and you know, obviously, getting a guy like Marvin Bagley. I don't know though. Like I've been hearing on that, like a lot of rumors, especially from Kings fans, that their guys Luka Doncic. Like they're going to be really upset if Luka's not selected number two, but. I'm locked at Marvin Bagley, number two. We'll move down to the Atlanta Hawks. Christian, who do you got at number three? So this is where I have uh, Luka Doncic. And again, this kind of goes back to me to taking the best player in the draft, no matter what. And uh, I've sort of said that about, uh, well, you'll see it in a couple picks as well, that some of the some of the picks almost don't fit the team, but at the same time, they're certainly the best player. And mm-hmm. if you look at someone like Jason Tatum being drafted to Boston, it kind of shows that you just draft the best player on the board and you figure out how to work him into your system later on right um so for me i have Doncic here um like i said earlier i do truly think he's the smartest player um because i don't think his athleticism uh is the same level as someone like bagley or ayton or mm-hmm. pretty much anyone in the top 10 to be perfectly honest with you his number one thing i've seen in most of his videos is sort of his step back jumper like a step back three um and that's definitely his most most athletic move, and he definitely is good at controlling his body to finish at the rim. Mm-hmm. Look, he he seems like in Europe he is the LeBron James of Europe. Right. If the league was NBA Europe, he would be LeBron James. I, I still question, and I've questioned this for a long time, how he's going to transition to the NBA when someone who's really athletic, um, like I don't know, or even limits his defensive versatility. Yeah, like if someone like a PJ Tucker is guarding him, or someone super physical, how how is he going to be able to handle that? Is he going to be someone who and again, I saw him in EuroLeague. I saw him go against someone like Kristaps Porzingis. 
it, it, it kind of inflated, I think, his ego a little bit because he's not the best defender for someone like Doncic. When he faces players, he's 6'8", right? When he faces players that are around his same height, like 6'8", 230, whatever he is, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to move them around and to do that step-back jumper. Mm-hmm. So I, I see Atlanta taking him. It's going to be a great pick for them. I think it's the right pick. But I really do question, like I have this whole time, his transition to the NBA because I do believe in that European stigma of, of players coming here and not being as good as what they were touted to be. It's so weird about this draft because if, like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, Sacramento took Doncic at two, like, I wouldn't put Bagley at three to Atlanta. I'd put Jaron Jackson Jr. at three, and I think it's more of a testament how deep and complex this draft is in general. I love Luca. Luca's been my guy for quite a while now. Um, yeah, first you know, name basis with him. Yeah, and, you know, like, you're talking about a transcendent sort of once-in-a-generation type playmaker. You know, obviously, he's not as athletic as some of his peers in the draft. But when it comes to, like, a lock, like, a sure thing, this is as sure as you can get, in my opinion. And he's a definition of a guy who has, like, you know, a pretty high floor and a pretty high ceiling at the same time. You know what I mean? I think he has the capability to evolve into the face of European basketball post-Dirk and Whiskey retirement. You're talking about a guy who I think has the fluid and the fundament- fluidity and the fundamentals to become an efficient lockdown shooter. You're talking about a fantastic playmaker. I think he can be above a placement or above average Sorry, above average um, defender as well. Um, and his IQ is a big thing. It's See, off the charts, right? I don't know about his defending. Like, I, 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 I don't think, I he, I don't think he's going to be a great defender by any imagination, he but I'm saying bad. he could be an average defender. And if he's an average defender in combination of what I was just talking about, his playmaking skills, his shot, and his court IQ and vision, I just think that's a perfect player in See, general. for me, he's like, a... Think about like, all the shitty defenders in the NBA. Think about like the James Harden or the Damian Lillards or all these guys out there who have garments reputation to be shitty defenders. Think of all the superstar guards in the NBA. There's a only handful like maybe Paul George and Jimmy Butler that you would say are above average defenders. If he's not a great defender, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to determine his like long-term value as a player. I think if he's going to be an average-level defender, which I think he's capable of doing, in combination of what he can do offensively, the sky's the limit for this guy. See, for me, the, the only thing I have and the main question I have about his defense is he's an average-to-below-average defender in, in the NBA European League or wherever he's right, playing Right, but he's playing right against full-grown men at the but age I'm saying, of 17, 18, right? Well, he's, isn't he 19 now? And... I don't know. Like he, well, the it, these fl- players are are just not as good as mm. as players in the NBA. No matter what, obviously, right? It's pretty it's pretty clear that that's, right. that's the case. They're either washed up, old, or they couldn't make the NBA. So once he and he's already, I think, below average there. So when he makes that transition to the NBA, I just can't see him even being average. Like it's really really hard unless he sheds weight because I think he's a little bit big right now. I don't uh, think we would be having this conversation if he played in Division One ball this year. Well, I, I, again, his entire game would be a little bit different, right? Like, depending on, A, where he played mm-hmm. in, in NCAA, how he fit into the system, and also, B, like like you said earlier, like, there's a lot of guards that aren't that great at defending. I can just – he's one of those players where you can almost stick, you know, your worst offensive player on him and, and, and not have to worry about it. Like, it's – My thing with him, though, like – I don't I know. He's like easy he to a, work around and on defense. It's going to be tough for him to guard point guards for sure. I think he'd be competent enough to do a 2-3. I think he has a size, like a 2-3 to be able to guard a 4 and some 5s in the NBA as well. That's his best chance, a 4, yeah. I think, right there. But, again, I, I do like I do like Doncic a lot. Like I said, he's smart. But I do think a couple negative things, like he does hold the ball 
a little bit too long as well. When he's dribbling, it kind of looks a little bit awkward, like when he's just holding on and he, he almost out dribbles himself a lot from what I've noticed um, in Euroleague. And sometimes it's just he gets caught up even half court like offense mm-hmm. is hard. And this is why I say I don't think he'd be that good in NCAA. There were numerous times this year that Luka Doncic was was caught basically because of a trap half court where he gave up the ball trying to bring the, the ball up he the put floor. put the pressure on him in the half court. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like he's had the lateral quickness, the quickest how, be able to drive or push How often does that happen in NCAA? It happens pretty much every other game. So it's kind of hard, hard to say it would transition. Though, it's hard. Situations. It's, it's all hypothetical. You know, like Luca, Luca could be a complete bust. I'm saying like looking at all the guys right now, like I, I personally like Luca, and I think if Atlanta gets him at three, that's a home run for Atlanta at the end of the day. I, I fully agree because right now – I, him and Bagley for me are a toss-up in terms of both of their floor and their ceiling. All right, we're going to go to number four, Memphis Grizzlies. Um, there's and, some like, kind of hoopla, some, yeah, some I was sort gonna, of issue with the Memphis Grizzlies. We kind of talked about earlier that. Yeah, I was going to say this earlier, but Memphis basically is, I don't know what the reputation is there, and I was telling you this earlier, but there's been a number of players. Um, I think Jared Jackson Jr. is the latest one. Mo Bamba's another. Michael Porter, I think, is the only one that hasn't said that they don't want to work out for them or show them their medical records. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure why, but I also have heard that they're looking to trade down um, and get rid of Chandler Parsons' contract because they already know the top five picks aren't really interested in joining Memphis at all. So if we're not going to trade down, I think it's a little bit too difficult to speculate. Like, I think out of all honesty, if there's going to be a team in the top five that would be trading out of the top five, it's probably the Memphis Grizzlies. But for the sake of the conversation, the mock draft, um, I'm going... Like, you got to think about their roster right now. You know, a healthy Marcus Saul, you get Mike Conley back next year, you have Dylan Brooks, you don't know where you're getting a Chandler Parsons, you might be healthy finally. You know, you do have pieces of content. This is a playoff team. This isn't a bottom five team in the NBA. So their goal in this draft, in my opinion at least, is to get a guy that can help sort of grease the wheel and keep the wheel moving. And for me personally, it's not Jaron Jackson Jr., who I think is the best player on the board, nor is it Mo Bamba. I think it's Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, there's massive issues with his health, his back and his hip most recently but he's a six foot ten what he's like 225 pound forward um who can play both three and the four i think he can play alongside marcus Gasol in the front court with chandler parsons playing the three i don't know i i just i feel correct me if i'm wrong he just feels like the most readily available guy to contribute right off the bat next season in comparison to the other guys on the board with the exception of mikhail bridges because i don't think bridges has the same upside that porter has so, okay, so oh, I have two scenarios here because I have a trade in this okay. scenario. Um, I don't I, – I believe the hype. I don't think Memphis is is a place that a lot of players want to go, and I think they know that. So they're going to look to trade down. I think uh, my trade scenario well, let's, let's here – Let's look at this for a sec, okay? Because so they should – I agree well, with you. Let's they should the take Michael selection, Porter. Though. Like, I like it. Like even ignoring, you know, all the bullshit associated with the team, the turmoil, the team's yep. not wanting to I chat still like with that them. Pick. Like I think Porter makes the most sense. Right? I agree. Okay. Um, but – <laughs> I have a trade here, and I have the Knicks from the nine spot trading up to get the fourth pick, and then Memphis getting the ninth pick. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm sure there'll be other players involved, but I have them taking Trey Young uh, fourth. The Knicks, that is. And again, the Knicks are, I think, kind of one of those teams that is looking for that. For me, they're moving Frank Nikita out of the point guard position. I like that, though. I like Trey Young and Frankie Smokes backcourt. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I don't think Frankie's necessarily like a, a, a point guard. You and know that's what I mean? exactly what but I was But he has the say. capability to be able to guard any guard in general. It's a tough one-two combo like that, to, right? to actually beat because they're both very good at passing. Right. And Trey Young's a... 
Again, I, I read it earlier today. I forget where it was, but it was funny. Trey Young could either be Steph Curry or Seth Curry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it, it, it is a perfect. If he is someone remotely like Steph Curry, he'll take over that point guard position. He'll lead the team. Mm-hmm. Chris Eppersingus might actually stay. Um, it, it, it's also exciting. I, I hate to say this, but like the Sacramento Kings were the same thing. But they need some excitement in New York. Mm. Like right now, it's been nothing but negative. It, it, with Chris Tapp even hinting he doesn't want to be there. Um, the, all this crap going on with James Dolan. Um, you know, for me, the, the it's not necessarily the right pick uh, in terms of the best player. Because if I were them, I would take Jared Jackson Jr. He'd mm-hmm. pair really well with Chris Tapp, I think. And that would be a pretty hard front court to really beat, especially with the offensive-defense versatility. But it's right. New York. And for me, I have them trading up to get Trey Young to make sure they get him, even though he might slide all the way down to the ninth spot. I think that makes sense. It's a very like New York swing for the fences type of trade. My only thing of Trey Young, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, is he's going to become such a defensive liability. We're talking about like the generation of basketball switching, especially in the playoffs, and you can't hide a guy like Trey Young come playoff time. You know he's going to be such an issue. I don't know. I, I like the trade, though. Like, that makes sense. Uh, let's go down to number five, Dallas Mavericks. Who you got Dallas taking? All right. Well, Dallas, I have them taking Mo Bamba. And I think the main reason is because they're pretty much fed up with Nerland's Noel. Mm-hmm. And I don't sorry, sorry. Let me let me go back. We'll, we'll just yep. stick for four, and we'll say that number four is Porter, and you're going number five. Okay, so for me, in mine, though, I have uh, – What's his name? I have uh, Trey Young. Okay. Uh, well, let's, so, let's, let's we have keep two Trey out there, picks. and we'll keep we'll keep Porter at four, and we'll go. Well, to we have two five. different. Okay. It's not gonna right, be the exact okay. same thing, right? All so, right, all right. Do you have Mo Bamba here too? Number five. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I got Mo Bamba. I know okay. I got okay. Jaron Jackson. Okay, Jr. so there we go. So we have a different. So yeah. I, I have Mo Bamba here. The main reason I think is because of Nerlens Noel. It, again, it's a tough. It's a toss up. It's between him and and Jared Jackson Jr. I think Mo Bamba just simply because they want that Rudy Gobert type more like a Tyson Chandler mm-hmm. type of player. And I think Mark Cuban likes that. He thinks that's sort of like the the, the cornerstone to a team. Plus, the what he's done in the combine so far, running the court faster than John Wall, having a bigger wingspan than Rudy Gobert, and having a vertical that's ridiculous. It, the sky's really the limit for, for him, and he's still growing. That's the scary part. So The Bamba, hypothetical Bamba. upside for Bamba, comparatively to anyone else in this draft, like obviously if you look at the numbers and you look at their size and their wingspan, Bamba is the most enticing guy on the page. But in my opinion, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the best all overall player in this draft. I've been big on Jaron Jackson for quite a while. I think he's the best rim protector so far, even including Mo Bamba and his massive seven foot seven wingspan. I think Jaron Jackson, Jackson, even being the youngest guy in the draft, is the most competent defender in the low post. I think he has a great low post game in general. I think he's a forty percent lockdown three point shooter in the NBA. There have been some issues with his mechanics as a three point shooter. But generally speaking, I think Jaron Jackson is a perfect fit for any team selecting in this draft. The thing I like about Jaron Jackson Jr. is his versatility and how he can just slide into any existing unit. You know, I think a lot of guys in this draft, specifically like Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, you have to sort of structure your offense around those guys as opposed to letting them slide in and be able to do what you're doing already. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a definition of a guy that, you know, he just slides in so easily and can and just do all the duty work, all the leg work, everything you need for that team to win, and that's why I like him. Plus his upside. I think he has a capability to became, become like the next Rasheed Wallace. I just think he's a solid all-around prospect. He's been my guy for a while, so I got the Dallas Mavericks taking him at number five. I mean, he's – he's again, he's my next pick here, so there's no like – Well, I got Orlando – I got Orlando Trey Young. 
because okay, because the thing with Orlando, it's been like these like six foot eight, six foot nine, like hypothetical shooters. You know, these guys that you know. Like like the Jonathan Isaacs or the Mary Hozonias or even taking like non shooters but hoping that they can improve like Victor Oladipo, Alfred Payton, or even Aaron Gordon as well. They just take these like projects, you know, not these established players and forgetting and 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 non shooters as well. They they've never had like a go to scoring weapon in quite a while, and I think Trey Young is the best possible option for that team, especially right now when literally all they have is hypothetical shooters. No, I agree. I mean. For me, like on my on my board right now, it would be Jared Jackson Jr. So mm-hmm. like, and for everything you I said earlier about Trey Young, I think he's an exciting player and a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, mainly he's a project, and it, it makes sense what you're saying here is that the Magic would be willing to take someone like Trey Young. Um, I don't know if he would necessarily thrive in that system the best though. Like I don't know if that's the best place for Trey Young to actually like evolve as a player. I think mm-hmm. he needs some good players around him to take sort of the edge off and not be pressured into being this number one scorer, this number one I've, go-to I've guy. Heard, I've heard great things. That's not crazy to say, but I've heard great things about Jonathan Isaac this offseason. Man, the guy's getting jacked. You know, he's working see, he on a his great jumper. Year. Like he's a guy that still is evolving as a player that realistically could be you know a top twenty guy in the NBA, depending on where he takes his career this season. And see, this is where that that, that what you said right there about Jonathan Isaac is kind of what makes the pick tricky for me for the Magic and I could see them trading down maybe with the Clippers to get the 12 and the 13 if like possible. Like Colin Sexton or Shea Gilles Yeah exactly because they don't necessarily right? need one big see, guy. that's redundancy they to need me more though because picks, Colin Sexton is right? a very similar prospect to like an Alfred Payton or Victor Oladipo for example and the same thing with Shea Gilles Alexander is these hypothetical shooters. You know these guys that are not established, don't have established skill sets quite yet. It's just like the hypothetical upside of these guys. At least with Trey Young, you know he can get the ball in the basket. See, but for me, I have Jared Jackson Jr. here, and I know that he's pretty much similar to Jonathan Isaac mm-hmm. in terms of like their draft profile coming out of school. But I, first of all, if they were to coexist in the front court. You're not scoring inside on that team. Like well, they're going to just walk everything. But they also have, you know, you got you can't. They got Vucevic. They also have Bismack Biombo for two more years. Right? But those are good and they've been trying to trade years. Vucevic for like five, six years. Well, he's kind of like Valanciunas in terms of his contract is similar, right. and he has that stigma of a player that's too. And Jared Jackson's like a, a center man. Like he's on. A, he's not going to be able to play power forward. If Jared Jackson and Jonathan Isaac, especially if Jared, I like Jackson that. Like out. I like that front court. But what do you do with like Biombo making eighteen? You got Vucevic making fourteen. You can't Honestly, trade those contracts. You, again, you don't have to necessarily start someone like Jared Jackson. You can still give him like 25 minutes a game and mm-hmm. start Biombo at 25 minutes. Like you, you can make it work. I think you, you can't just give players all these minutes. You have to sort of, sort of transition them. And I think if anything, they're good players to learn off of. Like especially Biombo. Like Biombo's one of those players who's been around the block. But Jared Jackson Jr. The reason why I say that here is because he's simply the best pick on the board at the time. <laughs> like if he actually fa- like falls to number six, the Magic will be stupid. To not take Jared Jackson no, Jr. For sure, for right, sure. like that—that's the only thing I have here. He—he he technically should be in the top five for sure. But if he somehow slides to six, like I have here, because basically the Knicks want Trey Young mm-hmm. in my scenario, that's the only reason why I have him sliding down to six. All right, moving down to number seven, Chicago Bulls. You got Mo Bamba going number five at Dallas. I got him going number seven to Chicago okay. Bulls. I think the front court of Bamba and Laurie Markkanen is so interesting. Um, I think Bomb is a perfect complementary piece for Laurie Markkanen. Um, I don't think Laurie's ever going to be a center in the NBA. I don't think he's ever going to be able to put the bulk on, but I think Laurie Markkanen could evolve into a Dirk Nowitzki light type of guy. He's and I good, think having man. a big, physical, athletic um, player like Mo Bamba to grow with 
is, is, is just, will pay massive dividends for that team. The foundation's there. You got Mark Cannon. You got Bamba. You know, I don't know. I, I like Chris Dunn. I think he, he's a relatively he's decent good. point guard. I, really I think like Zach Levine could, is a good shooting guard. Obviously, they don't really know what's going on at the three position, right. but that's your right. foundation. That's not that bad. No, hey, if that were to be, to be the case, as a Raptors fan, I would be pretty scared about that sort of future of mm-hmm. the Bulls. Because, again, front courts are scary. Like, two really competent front court players, like we've seen it in, with Boogie and, and Anthony Davis, like, it works. It, right. It's always been a tandem that works, all the way back to Tim Duncan and Robinson. Like, it's, it's something that's really scary, and if that were to happen... Again, it wouldn't be something that would threaten me now because mm-hmm. the Bulls are still so young and in that development phase. But Mo Bamba there would, I think, get a lot of minutes, and he would sort of—I think he would thrive because Laurie McKennon's the exact opposite player. They're also in no rush, you know what I mean? Like the guys are still developing; they're—they have no specific timeline to succeed. It's—it's it's a perfect situation. I think Bamba's kind of guy that needs reps, that needs time <laughs> on the court, that needs to play in order to get better. Um, and you could. I think the Bulls are a perfect uh, situation. For so you mentioned it earlier. Um, you mentioned pretty much all their players except for a three. Um, that's pretty much the main reason why I have Mikael Bridges here at the yeah. seventh spot. I have yeah. the Bulls taking Mikael Bridges. Uh, again, he he's a player that I think a lot of teams want. They just don't really know where, how high a team's willing to reach on him. Uh, it could be as high as seven. I don't think it's going to be higher than that. But I'm really high on McKay. Like I really think he's a good player, and it's, and the fit here just makes the most sense for the Bulls. Uh, he is like the typical three and D type of player. Um, we've seen him hit like a, a really forty. I think it was forty four percent, a really high percentage in uh, in college. Again, he's twenty one, so he's a little bit older. Uh, but he kind of fits that same age group as Markinen and Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, who's also like 22 years old. So if he, he would grow, he'd be sort of the same age. I think that'd be just a good fit. He's not necessarily that raw, young kind of player that you're just getting as a rookie. Like, he's had a little bit of experience in NCAA. Mm. And again, I like his upside a lot. He's a defensive dude. See, I got him going one pick after you. Number eight to Cleveland. You need him, put it this way, if you have Zach Levine as your two, you need to have a good defensive three. And, I, and my only my only concern with Mikhail Bridges is long term upside. You know, you already mentioned he's a sophomore, twenty one coming in the NBA. Yeah, almost twenty two. Um, yeah. He reminds me of Trevor Ariza, and that's not a bad comp. But if you're taking him, you know, in your top seven, seventh overall, that's his upside. You know, that's his max potential. It's kind of tough to stomach that, knowing that there's guys like Kevin Knox or even you know Colin Sexton or even Zaire Smith still on the board who have that sort of like you know that specific upside. But he's a you safe can, pick. You though. can't go wrong with a guy. He's a safe. You really pick. can't. And like for me, Cleveland makes the most sense because. Even if LeBron stays, LeBron goes. Mikael Bridges would be a serviceable player in both situations because so he's have a stopgap. With LeBron leaves, he fills LeBron's role. Obviously, he can't fill LeBron's shoes, but he's an, a competent player. I think if he was on Cleveland's team, he was part of a starting five. They would still be a playoff contender post LeBron. If LeBron elects to come back, he's a perfect guy to have as like an open wing three and D type of player that LeBron's been needing for fucking years, man. Wanting for years rather. See, I for me, it's Michael Porter Jr. here, and I just think teams are a little bit scared of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the injury is going to make him drop, and I think Cleveland it kind of is the one team that has to take that risk. Right. Uh, I don't think LeBron's staying. I think he's going to L.A. They need another player. Um, uh, it's been reported that they've offered uh, their pick, like this eighth pick, plus Kevin Love to, That's crazy. You to think San Antonio for Kawhi you're Leonard. You're thinking Mikhail Bridges over Porter, even with the injury history. It's mainly it's the injury. It really again. I love his upside, but he hasn't even worked out for anyone. Mm-hmm. He says he keeps saying he's willing to, but I don't know. It's enough to scare teams, and I think if you're especially someone like Chicago, 
you can't take a chance on someone like that. Like, you have a team that's ready to almost, like, again, they're all 21, 22. Who knows when they're going to take that next step? You, you don't know when you're going to have a pick this high again, mm-hmm. um, especially someone like, for me, like Cleveland. Like, Cleveland has to take this perennial next pick. And, I, like, I'm worried about the injury. I've been very high on Michael Porter Jr., but we've seen any player that's been injured in, in college or university, especially their back. Like, if it was, honestly, if it was any other injury, like, even Kyrie came back from, like, a knee. If it was any other injury other than a back, and having hip. surgery on it, and then a hip, yeah, th- 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 it's tough. I'm not willing to take that chance, to be perfectly honest with you, especially with someone like Mikael Bridges is, is oh, sorry, um, yeah, sorry, Mikael Bridges is I'm, a safe bet. I'm one of the guys that thinks that it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors, I don't think the injury is that big of a deal, but in the sense that if that injury is out there... Like, imagine being that team, you know, in comparison to how many, how deep this draft is, being that team to take Michael Porter Jr. You know, know, that's sending your team back a year or two, especially when it comes to development, especially for the Chicago Bulls, a team that just needs talent in general. You know, Cleveland has the luxury of having established stars like Kevin Love, you know, coming off the LeBron James era as well. You know, there's a couple of decent rotation guys as well. They, they have the ability to take a gamble like Michael Porter. Chicago is unforgivable. They make that pick, and he turns out to be, you know, a cadaver, right? No, I agree. I mean, I mean, the only reason I have him going to Cleveland is because it's like a desperation pick. Mm-hmm. They need someone who's potentially going to be a superstar, and he's pretty much the only one left on the board. So you're you're going nine Memphis. I'm going New York. I'll just throw my New York pick out there. It's going to be Wendell Carter. That's my Memphis pick. <laughs> yeah, Wendell. It, it's, he just fits in. Um, I think Wendell Carter. As a, I don't know how long Ennis Canner is going to be on the New York Knicks. Do you I see him more as a four or five? I think he's a five. See, I see him as a four, and that's too, why I see him going to Memphis. Too slow. Too slow on he can't guard the perimeter, um, but he's a very very good low post defender. He's a, he can drain the three point shot. He's an old, kind of like an old school throwback center. I just think like his length as a rim protector. I think him and Porzingis is a very interesting front court for New York. Yeah, the guy's got like a seven foot five wingspan. Um, he's not the flashiest sexiest guy out there, but when it comes to just a stable low post guy. Especially playing alongside Kristaps Porzingis, taking the brunt of the defensive responsibility, especially the bigger guy on a nightly basis. I just like the concept of Wendell Carter playing alongside Kristaps. I mean, I have him going to Memphis. The, the main reason is kind of the op- It's funny how we've thought about this in opposite ways because mm-hmm. you see him as a five pairing with Kristaps. I see him as a four pairing with someone slow. like Paul like, Gasol. Like if you put if you put Marcus Gasol and you put Wendell Carter out there, Marcus Gasol, sorry. You know, like y- y- how do you, how do you guard teams of a stretch four? Well, again, you could probably go to your three, but Wendell Carter Jr. For me, again, like he's athletic. Like, I don't think he's, he's that. I'm not saying he's not athletic. I think he's but quick. His biggest issue is his foot speed, man. That's been the, his whole. You know, it's like watching the Duke game this year. You know, like Bags not the quickest guy out there, but Bagley runs laps around Wendell Carter whenever they're the thing playing is, together. You're not stuck. Like you can isolate either him or Pau Gasol uh, on offense and. They have enough post moves between the mm-hmm. two of them that one of them scoring. If you ISO either one of them or you get either one of them in isolation, plus their passing ability is good too. It's funny because I've never been that high on Wendell Carter Jr. I haven't. He's s- a great passer. That's what. That's, that's what, what I, I mean. like. He's a great, he's a great passer. Great, he could be very. Even Him like and Paul Gasol are like he could learn so much. I guess that's what I really. It's want. It's like Al Horford. Okay, like let's say best case scenario for Wendell Carter, he turns out to be Al Horford. I don't think an Al Horford, uh, Marcus Gasol front court can exist in 2018 basketball. They're both crafty guys, but I don't think, you know, like, I just don't, I don't see the defensive versatility being there. See, I think he's, I think, uh, again, I switches playoffs. I just, I don't know. I don't think he exists in the front court. For me, if anything, I guess the potential I see with this, but he's a little bit of a bigger dude, Mm -hmm. right? So for him, it's a matter of just slimming down. I think slimming down is so much easier than bulking up. Um, 
it's one of those things where basically you just got to put in some – you can try as hard as you want to bulk up and you can just keep, be the same body weight. But if you're just a little bit heavy, to slim down a bit and get quicker, mm-hmm. like I think if that's the goal – God, he's, if he gets slim, he's as, he's as one of those athletic type of players, and he's got a pretty long wingspan too. I think seven four. Massive wingspan. Yeah, yeah. that that's kind of like a Siakam type of player, mm-hmm. right? Like just a complete disruption can run. Uh, if he gets athletic, he's one of those picks that can go under the he's radar. He's a big boy though, man. 6'10", 250, 260. But, but that's what I mean. There's potential for him to get down to two thirty, and that alone right there makes him so much quicker and so much better on his feet. If anything, the NBA is going to teach him it's all that footwork stuff too, especially defense. They're going to pound him on defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that again, we both have him going in that number nine spot. I guess if anything, I just like what he potentially could learn from from someone like Gasol. As well. mm-hmm. Especially coming off the bench the first season, you know, that option still exists. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, and could take that that number four spot eventually. Philadelphia number ten. I have a feeling we're gonna have the same guy here. Well, um, because he's the best guy on the board. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't. Maybe we might not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Kevin Knox. Kevin man. Knox. All right, yeah, there we go. Kevin okay, Knox. there we go. Well, okay. So why do you why do you have Kevin Knox? Because for me, I see him. Everyone kept saying before is like he's like a poor man's Paul George. Tobias basically. Harris, man. That's what I see out of Kevin Knox. Tobias Harris, yeah. I mean, <sighs> I, 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 I like Kevin Knox because A, he fits a positional need for the 76ers, and B, he just has this very sort of like like obvious upside. You know, this 3 and D upside. And we talked about 3 and D and Mikel Bridges. I think his upside is more like I think he has borderline superstar potential in comparison to Mikhail Bridges. Um, I think he's got a very solid frame, 6'9", 218. He's got like a 7'2 wingspan. Um, great jumper, uh, great athlete in general. Competent shooter at this, at this point of his career. Um, probably add a couple more pounds. I don't know if he's going to be a 3 or 4 in the NBA. But I don't think he has to add too much. He, he looks like a pretty big Well, do you see him as a small forward guy. or power forward? I see him as a uh, – he could be either or, a uh, switch. I think starting as a 3. On like Philadelphia, let's say. Well, that's the thing. If he's if he's on Philadelphia, he's definitely going to be a three at first, coming off the bench for mm-hmm. behind Covington, and then he'll be pushing that four spot for Dario Sarch, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's probably the perfect six man, and that's why I say the 76ers should take someone like Kevin Knox because he fits into their system. They have a lot of, you know, positions already taken. If JJ Redick comes back, their shooting guards there. They have Ben Simmons at their point guard or Markel Fultz. Ben Simmons would then play the four, and they have Embiid at the five. Sarge has to be somewhere there. Basically, there's no room for, for a starter, no matter who they take mm-hmm. off the board here. Kevin Knox is almost that perfect kind of player, and he will learn so much. Like, I think another option for them would be Shea Gildas Alexander. You know, it comes to, like, you know, that guy that can play multiple positions and be that guy to fill that position coming off the bench. Um, I, wouldn't know, mind, I could see Miles Bridges as well. Uh, being taken here no for sure for sure and miles bridges has to go in a situation where he's most realistically a power forward would have to play up a big you know strong center to sort of masquerade his deficiencies especially when it comes to height and size um but no i think kevin knox makes the most sense for the philadelphia 76ers i think that's a lock for sure charlotte hornets gets a little bit more interesting because there's a whole sort of situation are they going to keep kemba is he going this offseason are they going to bring him back um there's so many other positions to fill out you know obviously Obviously, they trade Dwight Howard today, so they don't have a center. Um, they, they don't have anyone in general. Like, maybe Malik Monk can come back and play a shooting guard position, but they could draft anybody because no one's really set in stone. Yep. For me, personally, I think you got to take the best player on the board, and that's Colin Sexton. Hey, we agree there again. We go. yeah. yeah, no, 
so for me, Colin Sexton's the best player on the board because of his potential, not mm-hmm. necessarily because of his play. I mean, we saw that game where he was, you know, there was only three of them, and he pretty much took over the game. I think he's going to be one of those players that, first of all, I don't think Charlotte's going to be good at all. I think Kemba is going to go, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to trade him before he does walk so that they actually get value for him uh, more than anything else, and they're going to completely tear it down and rebuild. Like, their trade, the Dwight Howard trade, is basically getting him out of the room, right? Like, it was one of the most puzzling things to get Mozgov back, pretty much, for, right. for Dwight Howard. Uh, they just need a complete reset in Charlotte, I think. And they've tried it with Kemba. Uh, I think they're going to be able to get great value from someone like Kemba Walker as well. But Colin Sexton is one of those players who could be Kemba Walker. Like, he could easily turn into the exact same thing. You can get value for the current Kemba, and he could start I see, right away. I see a lot of, like, Eric Bledsoe in this kid. You know, like, a lot of unharnessed energy. Um, I think the biggest knock on this guy in college especially was just, you know, this energy kind of dribbling the ball down the court and just making very irrational decisions. Yes. Um, you know, he's he, like over-dri- a, he does over He's like a train That's off the, the track, basically. Um, he overthinks it sometimes. He's kind of more of a streaky shooter as well. But, like, you talk about his upside. He's such a dynamic athletic point guard um and if if the the comp is Eric Bledsoe like I think he could be a better version of Eric Bledsoe it's just you always get these one guys and these type of guys in the draft you know like I kind of threw out Alfred Payton before these hypothetical athletic point guards who look great in college but are they going to be able to put it together in the NBA and be able to do it consistently on a nightly basis I think we're seeing out of Darren Fox and Sacramento is another example of this Colin Sexton definition of high ceiling very low floor type of player well, again, like they took Monk, right? And he's kind of like a player who can create his own shot. They took it was Dwayne Bacon. They took Dwayne Bacon as well, right? <laughs> Dwayne like, Bacon. They like players that can create their own shot because for me, this pick is right between him and Shai Gil- Gilgis Alexander. Hmm. Uh, they're both point guards. They both have you know similar style of of, of sort, not really style of play, but more so um, draft prospects. Right now, there's n- there's no. Difference between like if Charlotte had more pieces, his you know, I think I'd go to Shea Gildas Alexander. But if a team that literally has next to nothing, especially if Kemba's going to leave this season, they got to swing for the fence and, like I said before, and get somebody that can be the next face, that next generation of Charlotte Hornets basketball. Yeah, because I don't see them going someone like Robert Williams, like who's like for me the next best big man, sort of on the board. Well, I let's don't go, think let, they go that. Let's way. go twelve to thirteen. They might. They we might can package them together. Clippers uh, taking twelve and thirteen. Who do you got the Clippers taking? So I have them taking Miles Bridges and Zaire Smith. Okay. Um, I can also see the Clippers trading one or two of both, one or both of these picks to try and get Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, those, that's why Zaire Smith and Miles Bridges are both kind of my picks because I can see the Spurs taking on players like that as well. But f- f- first of all, Zaire Smith, just that that six four kind of swing guard. He's uh, he's really exciting, and I think the fact that he's been sort of under the radar, I think more than any other pick, um, who's going to be there, and uh, you know, I, I get it. You're talking about like one of the pure athletes, like pure athlete coming to the draft. Like Zaire Smith might be the best pure athlete. Um, you're talking about a six foot four guy who skill set probably would translate to a small forward in the NBA, who at certain times for Texas Tech was guarding five and fours and. In college, you know, you're talking about a guy with that sort of defensive versatility. The issue is, you know, is he um, is he just like an Andre Robertson, or is he a guy that can evolve into something a little bit more? I right? see him more as like a Patrick Beverly, and again, like really, really defensive. Uh, I think he's going to play three though. Co- he's going to have to be a three in the NBA. Well, he's six four. He can't shoot, right? Like, That's a big thing. Like all the hype and all the speculation behind him is that he's going to have to be able to play three. 
but he can guard someone like a one. He can guard a two. Like he can yeah, guard that, the opposing that's why team's you best draft player. Him, that's why you draft it, exactly, him. and that's why I think someone like the Clippers, who are pretty much all offense, um, with, with someone like that, he plays well with Tobias Harris. He played really well with with Lou Williams, I think, as well. Like that would be sort of the pairing where you have defense and offense. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if anything, he, he's he's a really defensive player. I like defensive players and I always have. Um, and then going to miles bridges, he's one of those players who, again, kind of like Wendell Carter jr. If he slims down a little bit or uses his body better or just gets quicker with his feet, Mm -hmm. this is a player that I could see turning into a real, real, real threat or a complete dud. Like I liked miles bridges so much coming out of, coming out of high school and I thought that Michigan State was going to be so good with him and Jared Jackson Jr. I was like this is going to be the best team and he kind of let Jared Jackson Jr. take over. He didn't really take over himself. I guess like he was a lock for the top 10 last year and I think he kind of fell. He didn't really do himself much service by coming back this year. You know I, I respect him as a competitor though to like want to come back and get that championship and win the championship for Michigan State. Um, it's just his size, man. His position, like, is he a power forward or small forward? Then he's gonna, and that's the thing. He's a, he's a, he's a four. It sucks. He's a four. He can't guard a three. He isn't really quick enough or tall enough to guard the four. Like, it's tough. Like, defensively, you don't mm-hmm. know where to put him on the floor. That that would be my. It would be very situational mm-hmm. to put him on the floor. You'd have to either have a matchup that's very similar in either size, like an undersized four, or you'd have to have a slower three. Mm-hmm. And that's where he might thrive. Even then, I don't see him doing that well. If anything, he's one of those players that's going to be known, I think, as like a catch and shoot three player in the NBA. And that's kind of why the Clippers, I guess, if you take an offensive player like Miles Bridges, who does have a lot of upside as well, because mm-hmm. he can finish at the rim better than most. And I think it's very surprising because he's a little bit heavier. But sometimes he just he has some of the better dunks um, we've seen since like Zion. So. I don't know. I can see him being a mix of one of those players. He's not a 3 and D player. Right. He's more like a, I don't know, like maybe like a Norman Powell, I hate to say it, if he slimmed down, mm-hmm. which is not the best <laughs> comp. The best comp. But again, that's, that's what he could be. He could be Norman Powell last year for the Raptors, or mm-hmm. he could be Norman Powell this, pa- this previous year. The so that's interesting. I, I've got two completely different players going uh, at 12 and 13. Cool. Uh, I got Lonnie Walker going number 12, and I got Shea Gildas-Alexander going 13. I think with the Clippers right now, I don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Jordan, but they already have Tobias Harris playing the four. I think what they need to do, especially in this weird transitional phase of their organization, is to solidify the backcourt. Um, you know, you talk about Patrick Beverly and the chain smoker, Milos Teodosha, holding down the point guard position. They re-up Lou Williams this year, but he's in his 30s. Realistically, he's not a starting shooting guard in the NBA. I think getting two guys, especially two guys of high upside, and Shea Gillis-Alexander and Lonnie Walker, is the best bet for the LA Clippers. I think they're a team that could potentially be trading up or could be part of the Kawhi Leonard trade scenario with having back-to-back 12 and 13 picks. I wouldn't be surprised if Robert Williams was in the was in, in the conversation considering that DeAndre Jordan might get traded at any given moment. But um, Lonnie Walker, we'll start with him. Um, just a great first step, competent three-point shooter. Um, biggest issue with him was that he has a size of six foot four, 200 pounds, would be a very competent defender. Didn't really show it this year in college uh, for Miami. Um, a guy that a lot of people coming as a freshman thought would good be a top 10 sort of talent as a speculation coming into the season who kind of was under 
underwhelming, to be completely honest with you, this season. But I just think he could develop into an above-replacement-level type player. Um, I think he has a perfect size and the skill set to be a shooting guard in the modern version of NBA. I think he has a size to guard three positions on the court when it comes to switching, especially. And we'll go over to Shea Gillis Alexander. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? Defensive and offensive versatility. The guy can be the point guard, your floor general. Um, I think he's jump shot for his size and his skill set because like the big thing of uh, you know six foot six six foot seven point guards is that they don't have an established jumper i think shea gillis alexander has a very established jumper i don't think it's really quite where it should be at this point of his career but there's potential there but there's so much potential there yeah. and again i keep talking about defensive versatility but he's a guy that can guard three positions on any given night and i think that's what you need especially when it comes to your backcourt you know you got to have guys that you have you shouldn't have to hide like we talk about the biggest issue with trey young is that you just can't switch you can't switch he's too small he doesn't have the wing the arm length the wingspan to be able to be a mm-hmm. multi-positional defender and i think these two guys are the future of Bass when it comes to like establishing your identity in the backcourt. So let's just say they did trade these two picks to the San Antonio Spurs for some sort of Kawhi package. I don't like. I don't understand. Do you think San Antonio would pick those players? Yeah, it's crazy to me to think that all like the people are throwing out all these like potential trade scenarios for Kawhi Leonard. They're throwing in like Kuzma with like Brendan Ingram. You know, they're doing like a Covington and like Markel Fultz and like a first round pick and all this shit. I don't think I don't even think San Antonio's going to get even close to what the value Kawhi represents because of the injury. They've been so hush about it. There hasn't been many conversations about it. A, we know Kawhi wants to be traded, and we don't know his health issue number B like why would they get that sort of return for a guy that's kind of you know like obviously he's a top three top five guy in the NBA but health uh, concerns as well as you know is he going to resign after the one year I, I just I don't understand why everyone's so excited to throw all these packages together to get Kawhi Leonard for, for one me year. again for me it's it's the potential that you could have Kawhi Leonard at, if he is at full health and you just like you said picked up one of the top three players in the league He's fairly quiet. He's fairly reserved. If if he's as healthy as he can be, I don't know. I see the hype, and I see why any team would be willing to trade for him or put a package together at least. And mm-hmm. I think if you're not putting a package together and offering it to the Spurs right now, plus I think that it's pretty well reported. Like Shams, I think, reported it today that Cleveland offered them a Kevin Love plus their eighth round pick. Like if that's the floor right now to to get. Him on your team, you better put a goddamn good. No, package no, together. for sure, and that's like a reasonable package. I'm just saying, like, if, if like the Lakers, like the Lonzo Ball and like the the Brendan Ingram combo plus like a first or something, is insane for me. I don't think that's insane. I think it's you're more insane a, for Cleveland to give up. So like, you're not like concerned about his injury history? Well, I would easily give up Brandon Ingram and like, I don't know, a, the pick and. Ball, yeah, I would give that up for Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> crazy, man. First of all, well, they're gonna have to trade him regardless because you don't want another like Vince Carter type situation and cap and like. Who's what? more enticing for LeBron James to come to the Lakers right now, Kawhi Leonard or Lonzo Ball, and a pick and 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 Kuzma? Well, they don't have a they don't have a it's pick Kawhi in this draft, Leonard. right? So if Kawhi, <laughs> if Kawhi Leonard comes yeah, via yeah. trade and Paul George comes because he wants to be in LA. LeBron James is going to LA. Like that's all, like honestly, like that's the way it's going to be. I I think personally, like if there's all LeBron James needs is some sort of competitive team to be established in either the Clippers or the Lakers organization. I think he prefers the Lakers as well. Mm-hmm. Then I think he'll go there. Like I don't know. Like for me, it's he wants a super max deal, and it, you can put that together. I've seen it done. Kawhi would have to take a little bit less, mm-hmm. but between Paul George and and, and LeBron's super max. Trade the house. Get Kawhi. Get Paul George a free agency. Kawhi Leonard 
p- potential Paul George and LeBron James trifecta, a new powerhouse in the Western Conference. Um, all right, last pick, Denver Nuggets. Um, I'll give it to you, buddy. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's Shai Gilders Alexander. Here. Yeah. And i, I got to include the Canadian in the draft. I mean, if anything, I think Denver's got a big roster salary cap issue right now. Mm-hmm. And I know that between Fareed and Wilson Chandler and re-signing Jokic and – and the main one for me is Will Barton. Like He's kind of the odd man out. Um, they have a lot of guards there, so to speak. Will Barton is a great player that I think they could you know, maybe get something for right now before that, that big contract or before he gets at least enough money that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. So I can see them going for backup plan already. And again, Jamal Murray to me is more of a two than he is a one. He's a scorer. Um, and especially if they were to have a real one, he would slide into the two a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, plus his defense, right? Like, Shagulis Alexander is one of those defensive players that if Jamal Murray's out there, you could just put Shai on the most on the better of the two guards. Mm-hmm. And you could put um, Jamal on the other two. So, also the Canadian backcourt. To have no, I love that. I love someone that. I, mean, I like wasn't Jamal even thinking Mar- about that. Oh, that would, be, that would be the absolute I got, best. The Canadian I got, uh, backcourt in Denver. I got Oregon's Troy Brown going 14th. Troy Brown. Tell um, me about Troy Brown. Just... You know, I think with Denver's situation is that they've drafted pretty well the last few years. You know, getting Yochik in the second round, you know, being able to pick up a guy like Jamal Murray, who many speculated wasn't even going to be, you know, a top five guy, but just making that gamble. Um, you know, they, they, they've done a good job of compiling a roster, but they haven't really drafted a guy that has the upside to be a superstar. And I think Troy Brown fits that kind of mold. I think right now he's just the definition of a defender. Like he's a very athletic high flyer who can guard multiple positions, who has a developing jumper. Um, but I think he has the ability to turn into what would be a good con for Troy Brown, like Trace McGrady esque. He's got size, Ooh. like six foot seven, two ten. Um, super athletic, um, can penetrate the lane, decent playmaker, um, just home run kind of hit for the fences type of pick. Yeah, and so I love that pick. That would be great. I could see him going a little bit later, though. Just, just it's tough. Like I can see him some go like Utah or something like that. Well, like I was, I said Troy Brown, the other guy out there that I was kind of thinking about, like especially with the whole Jamal Murray sort of like he's not necessarily a point guard, getting like a solid sort of stable presence of the point guard position would be Aaron Holiday. But I can't, yeah. like unless they trade down, like I can't take him at fourteen. It's like taking Jalen Brunson at fourteen. I know, um, or like Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, and like I don't think like what like Robert Williams is up there, Dante Divincenzo, you know Chandler Hutchinson, Mitchell Robinson. There's a couple guys out there that are are, are enticing on paper, but uh, do they fit? The the one needs? would be, and again, I wouldn't take him this high, but he's kind of my sleeper. I guess if we're gonna go into that right now, would be mm-hmm. Josh Okogie. Uh I like Josh Okogie, Yeah. Oh, on Georgia Tech, he's great, and he's pretty. He's 20 years old, right? Like, he's 19 or 19 right now, but he'll be 20 by the time the NBA starts. But he's like, he will be a three and D. The issue with him, he's a little undersized. He's got the size of a point guard, and he's probably a two or three. But again, like, I'm kind of gums are like... I see him as, like, Tyreek Evans. Like, he's a do-it-all kind of guy. And he's like your poor man. Again, if Tyreek Evans is playing at his potential, and I know this purely because I had him in fantasy, he's a triple-double threat all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, Tyreek Evans is one of those guys who's very good defensively, just because of the way he is. But he's also unbelievable at getting 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 points every single game. I could see that kind of happening. And again, if if he slotted in there instead of... They don't have a three right now in Denver, I don't think, too much. Like Wilson Kenneth Chandler? Fareed, that's what I mean. Chandler and Fareed, because mm-hmm. of salaries, have to come off the books. Or yeah. one of them, at least. So this could be that player that comes in underneath that, underneath uh, Wilson Chandler or Fareed, 
and you're, they're going to learn a ton. I think they're going to get rid of Fareed, though, because of all the shakiness in the history. I, I think the there. big thing about this draft is just how many good, great options there might be in the second round. You know, like Kata Bates-Dio from Ohio State, yeah. for example. I think he's going first round. The defensive versatility of Dante Melton on USC, who didn't get a play this year because of the bullshit scandal, who I think could have been a lock for the top 25 if he actually had the yep. opportunity to play this year. Would you Javon dra- Carter, who's like a, like one, arguably probably the best defender in the point guard position in this draft from West Virginia. Hamadou Dio, who was like, what, a top five He'll recruit. go first round. You think so? I, I think he'll go first round, probably like second or third last pick. What about um, Grayson Allen? Do you think he's getting drafted oh, this Celtics, year? Oh, Celtics, man, for sure. You think he's getting drafted? First round, Celtics. First round. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. I'm, I would be willing to put money on that. The guy that, like, I just don't understand why people are so low on is Landry Shamet from Wichita State because that guy's a lockdown three-point shooter who plays a point guard position. Doesn't have, like, massive upside, but as a backup point guard, a capable, like, how many point guards in the NBA are, like, efficient three-point players? Hey, if if we're gonna go taking picks and who we think people are gonna take, I don't know. For me, if if it's, I could see Dante DiVincenzo going fairly high, <laughs> mm-hmm. like he's especially like or to Boston, like he's one of those players, like you said earlier. Um, what's his name would go to Boston? I could see him going to Boston, Dante DiVincenzo, or or the Spurs. He's like one of those players that like fits perfectly into those guys' system, and because they're white. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. The draft's going down tomorrow, seven o'clock in NYC. Um, probably. We might hit a few of these. We probably won't, but it's all conjecture at this point. The actual shit. I'm is looking going to go 100 percent. 14 for 14 on my. Picks. Give me 50 percent, and I'll be happy. Thank you very <laughs> much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll hopefully be back next week. It's the off season, so we're kind of here and there, not really doing podcasts on a regular basis. But hopefully, you'll hear my voice within the next week. July 1st, I'm sure free agency will be here. Oh yeah, there we go. All right, peace. Come on, come on.